Hello, friends. How great it is to be back here hosting Wasn't That Special 50 Years of Saturday Night Live with you and my friend Christian Schneider on this, as we tape at least, premiere weekend of SNL season number 49? I'm, Nine. I'm missing count in my head, but yes, it's 49. <laughs> Season 49 starts this weekend as we tape. And by the time we are caught up, uh, we'll be right at the end of 50. That's how the whole plan is gone. Thanks so much for joining us. We're glad to be here once again, as this time we trundle through Season 8 of SNL. My name is Scott Bertram. You can find me on X, formerly Twitter, at Scott Bertram, S-C-O-T-B-E-R-T-R-A-M. My co-host is Christian Schneider. He's on X or Twitter, at Schneider underscore CM, and wrote a very nice piece, a wonderfully splendid piece this week at nationalreview.com about how SNL can predict the future. Some of the most prescient sketches we've talked about so far in the program made it into that piece. Find it at nationalreview.com and say hello to Christian. Hi, Christian. Hey, how are you? I'm very excited to start talking about season eight, which is the best season ever. And Lily Tomlin is the best host ever. She's a queen. And Robert Blake is totally nice to women all the time. And he's hilarious. And wait, which, wait, which SNL podcast is this? This is the one where, sadly, we have to say bad things sometimes. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I was, I was thinking I was on another SNL podcast where they basically just praise everything. Weren't you here uh, for season six? You know better than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Charlie Rocket, best SNL uh, cast member ever. You can find us on <laughs> X or Twitter at fifty years of SNL five zero years of SNL and. Hopefully, we have some new people joining us for this first show. You know, going to Google, searching SNL podcasts as the season begins and stumbling upon wasn't that special. And what are you all about? We'll try to make this quick. We've done it eight times. If you're joining us for the first time, you can go back in time and head to our season one episode. That one's free and open to everybody. After that, things go behind the Substack wall. We ask you to join us on a monthly basis, save some money on an annual basis, or join us at the executive producer level, that gives you a lot of stuff, like voting privileges for our end of uh, end of 50 years categories we vote on. We'll vote on best season, best cast members, sketches, all sorts of stuff. You get to vote along with your two hosts. You also get access to all the hard work Christian puts in, putting together these extra emails for our executive producers, showing you clips of the, of the sketches that we are highlighting during the program, some of the contemporaneous reviews and essays about the show. That stuff's really fun. Plus, we take far more notes than we ever could put on one of these podcasts. Christian compiles all of them and sends out an email so you have your inside our brain and getting our thoughts on sketches that aren't even talked about on the show if you are an executive producer. And, and because you are an executive producer, you can direct us to and tell us what to talk about or cast members you want us to opine on or you want us to talk about a specific sketch. Tell us, let us know before we record a particular season, and we will do it because you are executive producers and we aim to please. And in fact, we do have our very first directive from the executive producer, and it's a good one. We'll get to a little bit later on in the program. And if I'm not mistaken, Christian, we still have like one more day of discounts on all of that stuff. Absolutely. It's a 25% off sale. This is, we need Dan Aykroyd to do this for us. 
our uh, <laughs> a rapid fire 30 second uh, everything must go type of uh, crazy uh, Eddie type of thing. 25% off if you uh, sign up for the annual subscription. I almost said prescription, uh, although I suppose this could have some prescriptive qualities. Um, 25% off uh, for the executive producer level, which is awesome. If you are already an annual subscriber and you bump up to executive producer, well, that's a 50% cut. Uh, because it is halfway between where you are now and where you will one day be. Don't so. confuse people with numbers. Uh, <laughs> if, if you are an annual, was, subs- if you are I, an annual was, subscriber, you can go to your account settings and say upgrade my subscription. You'll upgrade at the reduced level for the next uh, day or two until that offer ends. So the the main message now is the best time ever to join us. At wasn't that special? Fifty years of SNL. All right. We're I was told the, there would be no math. I know. We're past the sell point, and now we have to, well, I guess we don't have to sell season eight, but we do have to discuss season eight of SNL. Yes. This, uh, you know, seasons, season six was bad. We both agree. Season seven, yes. I sort of get through this feeling of, well, at least that wasn't season six. <laughs> and there was some Back good, on track a little bit, yeah. Um, it, but season eight... As we begin our discussion about season eight of SNL, I I have to say there are genuinely brilliant moments and there are times that you think this is a very good show and there are few times it truly bottoms out. So I'm not trying to damn it with faint praise because there are some truly excellent moments during the course of the season and there are highs reached in season eight that we haven't seen since just a few sections in, in season five. There's a lot to look forward to tonight. Yeah, the train is fully back on the rails uh, at this point. And, you know, it's it's right up there with uh, with some of the first five, first five seasons, uh, especially numerically. And we will probably talk about that at some point. Our little, you know, in this household, I believe in science and it's, it's our scientific method of grading and doing all that stuff. So uh, I think people will be surprised at where this where this season lands. But yeah, it's great. Last uh, last episode, I gave Dick Ebersol a lot of credit for kind of getting things back on track, and this is the full fruition of that. Now, granted, a lot of that is because of one specific cast member that we will talk a great deal about. But everybody else, there are no there are no cast members here that are truly duds. Um, there are some that are better than others, but uh, for the most part, it is a it is a professional show. Once again, let's talk about who's in, who's out as we start season eight of SNL. This is 1982 and 1983. Out. Well, we bid a fond farewell to Christine Ebersole, who <laughs> I I honestly thought was very talented and thought in the right situation could have been better, but it was not the situation for her to thrive. She's gone. Tony Rosato is gone as well. We say goodbye to our Canadian, our resident Canadian. And uh, the the Murray brother, still around, Brian Doyle Murray, as featured player and host of, uh, of uh, I was going to call it Saturday Night News, but that's this year, and Weekend Update was two years ago, and last year, I've already forgotten, it's called SNL Newsbreak. Newsbreak, yes. <laughs> So Brian Doyle Murray is gone as well, and the rest of the cast returns along with three brand new cast members, Christian. 
Yes, all three cast members come from the same spot. Uh, in fact, they are all from Northwestern University, where they all perform together in the same troupe. Let's start with a new cast member who was 21 years old at the time. And by watching SNL at this point, you would probably not guess that she would end up with probably one of the most successful post-SNL careers, certainly of anybody in the first 10 years, but maybe of any cast member. I mean, she's there have been some SNL cast members that have gone on to do huge things. But Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who, first of all, let's stipulate, is a vision when she joins the, uh, the cast. She, uh, she shows up fresh out of Northwestern University, and then she brings her boyfriend with her, Brad Hall, who was also in the same troupe with her at, uh, at Northwestern. He is, I think, three years older than she was. She, and, she still, joined... and still is. <laughs> still is three years older, yes. Indeed. So, yes, the, the six-foot-three blonde Brad Hall joins the, the, the cast, as does Gary Kroger, who is also uh, a part of Northwestern. They were joined by a fourth who was a writer, I believe. Is that right? Yes, they're joined by a fourth, a guy by the name, by the name of Paul Barros. Although I have to pause for one second because I finally realized who Brad Hall looks like. <laughs> I can't believe this. <laughs> so this will make sense to maybe 2% of our listening audience. And I don't even know if you'll... Uh, I, you might know the reference, but I don't know if you'll know it right immediately. Brad Hall finally struck me as you as you talk about him. Looks exactly like Todd Marinovich. Do you remember Todd Marinovich? <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured that out. So everyone else out there, there are ninety eight percent out there who have no idea. Todd Marinovich was a football quarterback, NFL quarterback in the mid to late eighties, and he was one of the first quarterbacks whose dad like pushed him like, you're gonna be a star you're gonna train 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 you're gonna be a star right never ate a big mac any of that right. stuff like and yeah. um and had obviously problems was not as successful as perhaps anyway we have to talk about the todd marinovich story point is if you google him <laughs> you'll see he looks just like brad hall okay so paul Barros <laughs> paul Barros <laughs> is the fourth member of this comedy trip to join snl they're all part of the practical theater company at northwestern brad hall gary kroger Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Paul Burroughs. And Dick Ebersol and, and Bob Tischler went to see them do their show in Chicago and hired them on the spot, brought all four of them in together, three performers and one writer. And no audition. No audition. And perhaps we can dig deeper into this a bit later, but it was a very unique situation that they were brought into. And Gary Kroger has written on his blog, about how it was very weird and very uncomfortable. But they were sort of brought in as the B team, um, a line change in hockey. Ebersol saw this two ways. They were going to be their own little insular creative group because they already were. So we could bring them in and just import them whole set and have them work at SNL and do their own thing. And he also thought by bringing in people who had this sort of talent and this kind of working relationship that he could kind of push Eddie Murray a bit too, that perhaps this infusion of, of talent and infusion of, of people who had done, you know, improv and, and sketch comedy in Chicago would help push Eddie Murphy a little bit too, to be bigger, badder, bolder. 
somewhat successful on one count, maybe not as successful on the other count, but it was an unusual situation into which those four found themselves on SNL. I don't think Eddie needed any any pushing. <laughs> he's, he's fine on his own. Uh, yeah, 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 he's okay. Think about that for a second. Who of the fir- of the first 10 years, who do you think had the best post-SNL career? It's It's got to be either Julia Louis-Dreyfus or Bill Murray. Right. Those are the only two names. And, uh, you know, whole length of career. You could argue, you know, very quickly, you know, Chevy had tons of success, but that faded. Dan Aykroyd the same way. If you're talking total career success, it, it's got to be one of those two from the first 10 years. As I think a little bit later on, of course... I mean, in terms of big time movies, Mike Myers grossed an absolute metric ton of money. Uh, right, uh, Adam Sandler, et cetera. Ben Stiller, uh, Will Ferrell. You know that kind of <laughs> that kind of success. There were more people later in the show's history, but those first ten years, yeah, I, I, Chevy had had quick success. So the Dan didn't last terribly long. But in terms of career l- longitude. Long career, uh, (laughs) you you know what I mean in terms of career length and success, the amount of things that Julia Louis-Dreyfus has done and been successful in and the number of truly hilarious things Bill Murray has done and the way he's transformed himself into a second and third stage of his career, it would certainly be one of those two. Yeah. I believe she's won eight Emmys, something, uh, something like that. Not bad. Yeah. Seinfeld, Veep. It's a pretty good career. Uh, perhaps, um, as we okay. talk Julia Louis-Dreyfus here very quickly, she did an interview a few years ago with uh, Sirius XM. And it was what she was promoting. a. Uh, it was just before COVID. She and, and Will Ferrell had a movie out. Doesn't matter what it was. But talking about her SNL years. And this is a point I want to make a little bit later on. But I'll let, I'll let Julia Louis-Dreyfus sort of put down the marker here about how she thought about her time at SNL. And she said, you know what? It uh, wasn't all rainbows and unicorns and candy. I didn't have tons of fun. You did not. No, but no. I, I did uh, uh, learn a ton. I was really super young. I was 21. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went into it very naively. And um, so I learned a lot very quickly. It's such a boot camp. Yeah, it's, if it you is. Can, it's like going to grad if school. If you can make it through. Just yeah. a life. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, so I, I really did learn a ton. It's kind of informed my life uh, f- f- from then, even though it wasn't. In what way? Fa- well, I mean, I got I set my priorities straight for starters. I mean, I I came out of that thinking this wasn't as fun as I've had doing like improv mm-hmm. shows and Second City and all that kind of stuff back in Chicago, and and. And I need to find that. I need to find that. And if I can't find that, if it doesn't exist, I'm not going to do this. So put a pin in that because I want to come back and talk about that a little bit later on when we talk about some of these cast member roles on season eight of SNL. Interestingly, we were talking about JLD. Should we just call her JLD? <laughs> I, I, I'm uh, all for that because Julia Louis-Dreyfus doesn't Dreyfus. always just sort of come right off the tongue. Uh, just, I think a year or two ago, she was in a movie with Eddie Murphy. They did a movie together. It was called You People. Uh, and it was about an inter, inter, relation, uh, interracial relationship with Jonah Hill, et cetera. And she played kind of like a hippie, lefty, do-gooder mom. And Eddie Murphy was the cranky dad who was upset about her his daughter dating a white man. So it all comes full circle. They obviously <laughs> liked liked each other enough to to get back together 30 40 years ago or 40 years later. So, 
leftover from season seven, we have Robin Duke, who in the first half of the season still plays a fairly major role in the show. She's getting a lot of kind of like the main female roles. And then somehow in the middle, she gets, I said it in our notes, she gets Wally pipped by Julia Louis-Dreyfus. It happened um, very quickly. I think you underestimate how quickly it happened. I, what, episode four? I, I just found your note. Your note is after episode five, which means yeah. you probably noticed it for an episode or two. It, and this is, I, I guess we, This is. I said put a pin in it. I guess we can take the pin out very quickly. This is the point I want to make is Julia Louis-Dreyfus, JLD. I've, you know, that the cut we just heard and I've seen in other interviews, she kind of, what do I want to say? It kind of poo-poos her time at SNL. Like it wasn't great and that wasn't used very well and always creates the impression, at least for me, I'll talk first person. My impression based on how she talked about the show was she was barely on. They had no idea how to use her. She was brilliant. She is brilliant. And they just couldn't figure out how to use Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Said it was a waste of time at SNL. And what I saw in season eight, feel free to object, is not that at all. As you say, she takes over from Robin Duke all the characters <laughs> that Robin yeah. Duke had played in season seven. And right. she's featured in a lot of ways. And she's uh, sometimes she gets the wacky role where she's got to make faces. Sometimes she gets the sexy role. Sometimes she gets the role of, you know, wife. She's uh, as much as any female, certainly this year, and probably any female in this era of the show. She's used as much as anyone else, more than almost anyone else. And if you want to hear a lot more about Julia Louis-Dreyfus and her journey on the show and about all the other cast members, including one Eddie Murphy, we go on for quite a while uh, in this one because it's a pretty good season. You might be surprised. But make sure in order to do that, you become a subscriber. We are running a sale right now. So now is the time to join. You can become an annual subscriber. You will be able to take advantage of the sale. Also, you can become a an executive producer. And that comes with a lot of perks and benefits, which Scott will tell you about right now. Executive producers get to tell us what to do. I mean, that's that's the big perk, right? Before every taping of each season, we send out an email and say, hey, executive producers, what should we talk about? What do you want us to talk about? What, who should we talk about? What sketches do you want us to, to opine on? And you can control us as executive producers. So that's a big deal. Plus, you get access to all of the information Christian compiles uh, two times after the release of the actual episode, the actual podcast. One email goes out, and it has all of the stuff that we talked about in our notes that didn't make the show. And we have notes on just about every sketch from the season. We are we are completists. And so you get that. Plus a subsequent email that includes links to some of the sketches we talk about, some of the contemporaneous reviews and essays and information. It's all really interesting stuff. Executive producers get that. And at the end of our 50 podcasts covering the 50 years of Saturday Night Live, we have some awards we'll be voting on. We've seen it all, so let's talk about it. What was best? What was worst, perhaps, in some places? But who gets to vote on that? That's your co-hosts, Christian and me, and our executive producers who are along for the ride. So that's why now is a great time to either upgrade or become 
and executive producer. If you're a current subscriber, go to your account settings and say upgrade my subscription. You'll take care of it there. If you're not, you should see the reduced price as you get there, but only for a limited time. So join us, wasn'tthatspecial.com, wasn'tthatspecial.com, and get access to all the content as Christian and I walk through 50 years of SNL.